Reach the rhythm and it's moving me up Moving, it's moving me up Every step is moving me up Hey, this is BT Wolf, and you're listening to Orange Juice for the Ears on DubLab. Today, I'm joined by DubLab director Ali Cohen, who many of you listening will already know very well as curator, composer, musician, DJ. But for those of you who don't, Ali is a key creative force in LA's music and arts community and has been involved with DubLab Radio, which turns 20 this year since the beginning. As DubLab's director, Ali curates the station's content, is principal fundraiser, and produces a number of its events, including the annual ambient music celebration, Tonalism. Yeah. <laughs> and D- also uh, Sweep the Floors. Our intro would go on forever if I mentioned all the things you do. It's uh, funny, when you, come, you guys come in the morning, I'm usually on that cleaning mode. <laughs> I usually do it before... The studio opens and you guys are the first ones on Fridays. It always yeah. looks incredibly so. clean. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's important. I think it's a way to show um, respect uh, for those that do their shows. You know, uh, they show up to a clean working facility within our means. You know, we're not rich, but uh, yeah, I think it's important. I agree. Um, and just, you know, everyone will know what DubLab is, but just because we're celebrating the 20-year anniversary um, DubLab is really one of the internet's earliest pioneers broadcasting over a decade before streaming and has remained independent that whole time. The station is synonymous with the heart of LA's diverse culture scene and is no doubt responsible in part for the city's creative renaissance. And Ali, you've commented that our mission is to create radio programming that we believe in, that represents the community and offers a voice and platform to many artists. Yes. Um, how do you describe Dove Love is, is accurate? I think that's pretty much who we are. And uh, and yes, Dove Love is a platform for artists. I think that the, the station has two sides of our mission. One that is very public is the one that you see that uh, you tune in, you enjoy the shows, enriches the community, the events we do, the many kind of out there ideas we, we get behind. And uh and, and, you know, the archives, the website, all that stuff. And the other side is the side that people don't see, which is the uh, the hub, the community that we build, the home we offer for DJs, you know. This is the place when uh, something good happens, we're here all to celebrate. Uh, when something bad happens, we're all here to to uh, find comfort with each other. And, uh, and also everything in between, you know. Most of the times it's just the mundane things of people just coming right into each other. But uh, probably you've even seen it yourself, you know. Uh, you're at a place where you run into people all the time. The, the other there was a story of uh, Dominic Priore coming in to do his show. And on his way in, he ran into Red Cross. And Red Cross have known Dominic for many years and they looked at each other like, what are you doing here? And, you know, and then the interview is Rene, who is uh, behind Viva Pomona, you know, and it's just this, this kind of mix of generations uh, and, and, and music scenes and communities and they all uh, meet and blend in here. Past, present and future. Yeah. So we're going to talk about you and your journey and your musical DNA um, and we're also going to talk about, obviously, more you know about DubLab and how you've really been involved since the beginning. Um, but first, I want to ask, why do you think I chose 
This is How We Walk on the Moon by Arthur Russell. Um, well, I oversee you with a space helmet. So <laughs> that's probably a connection there has to be, right? Uh, and then, uh, I don't know, I, I like the sparsity of that. I, I like how he combines. I think to me, it's very mind-blowing the idea of someone combining congas in that setting, knowing that he also has a disco side, but just keeps the, the cello going. And uh, he's throwing both, you know, it's like throwing uh, Donna Summer and uh, John Cale uh, in the same place, you know, kind of thing. I think, and, and I think it's a perfect blend of me what New York was at the time, you know, where you have the, the Velvet Underground and the disco explosion in the underground at the time. But he almost like, almost like a parametric equalizer. He just do these two very fine frequencies out of... Uh, each artist, uh, out of each genre, you know? And he said, I'm going to just have these two things, you know, floating and everything else, I'm going to mute it. Uh, I don't know. But I think that blend of worlds, you know, which Arthur does so well and which Dub Lab does so well and which you yourself say, you know, you've always been more interested in sort of capturing a lot of worlds than going deep into one. Yeah, it's a very kind of inclusive... I mean, if I, if I had to say uh, what's the connection to the show to that song, it is a song that in its essence is very inclusive. You know, it just belongs to nothing. You're not playing a rock tune. You're not playing. People that know Arthur Russell, people that, that are deep music heads, listen to it and by now you kind of get it. Okay, it's it's this. But non-music people, people that are not in the deep end of things, listen to Arthur Russell and they're like, what is this? I can't put my finger on. Is it classical? Is it? So I think this song is about inclusion in a way, and your show is about inclusion. Uh, it's about very wide open. Uh, it's a kind of open ended, and, and who who can be part of it? So I chose it specifically because I thought it had a connection. Maybe I was wrong to your band Faro's and one of oh. the first gigs that you guys did. How? That's deep research. <laughs> I do deep yeah. research, wow, Ali. I'm telling you. That's I. Damn. That's a, yeah. I was gonna mention at some point. Oh, we did this thing. Okay. Oh wow. That's yeah. That's very deep research. And also because it was actually a reference track for this collaboration with Laraji that I've been doing for the 20-year anniversary quadraphonic um, record release that I think is between Dublab and Bedrock that you're doing with Kamran. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was actually, you know, I'd got these stems from Laraji, which were super ambient and um, sleepy, and I was trying to think, how do you structure it into a song in some ways, and that was the reference. It's um, the reference, yeah. So the subject of this show, um, as you know so well, because you did the first one um, with me very kindly, is, you know, the music that really goes deep, that stays with you, that imprints, that makes you who you are. And the title of the show is taken from an Oliver Sacks quote about the power of music, and I ask every guest you know, what this quote means to them. So the quote is, music can lift us out of a depression or move us to tears. It's a remedy, a tonic, an orange juice for the year. And I want to know what that means to you. Um, I mean, I guess the uh, orange juice can be a, a very comforting thing in the morning, but also refreshing. I think it offer, offers the, almost offers th the three things of, of what food normally does, but in one, maybe the, the comfort of soup, maybe, 
uh, the uh, the refreshing element of water, and uh, and you know, kind of the sweetness of candy. <laughs> it's all in one. <laughs> wow, I'd never unpacked the orange juice reference quite like you have. I love it. <laughs> um, but also, I I read something that you you know always loved film and literature, but music was what got you out of bed in the morning and what gave you goosebumps. So in that sense, that is also what Orange Juice does. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Music is the thing that that gets me going. I I love many other things in life, just like everyone else. But yeah, it's just music just doesn't stop giving. And I don't take it for granted. Uh, When I was a kid, I didn't, I I connected, but I don't know. You you see other people so passionate about music. It's like when you see fans of a band, you know. Uh, you can even talk about the Beatles or something. It's like, you ask me, you like the Beatles? I, yeah, I like them, but I see so many crazy passionate fans that compared to them, I guess I sort of like them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and when I was a kid, you know, you know other people in school, and you know, and they're very passionate about it. I'm like, cool, you know, just good for you. Like, I'll let you do that, you know? <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let that be your thing, you know? But in reality, I made a lot of decisions in my life to, to be surrounded by music and, and make this my life. Well, and with that as the perfect pause, what was the first song that imprinted on you? Well, uh, I chose this song. I haven't heard it in the past, probably I'm 44, in the past 42 years, you know? But I, the reason I chose this is by Rafaela Cara, And she was a Spanish-Italian singer, disco. Uh, it's a very, I don't know, how can I say it? It's... It's just a gimmicky song, you know. It's just, but I, I don't have memories of listening to it. But first, imprint me like it makes an impact on you, right? So I was like, okay, let's just try to really go for it for the early, early. And I remember at the time when I was two, my parents uh, I, I went on a trip, uh, on a two-month trip, you know, and I was missing them uh, apparently, and I was with my grandparents, and they played this song that they would play in the house just to kind of cheer. Oh, this is that, and apparently I got so angry about it that I took the record and threw it. You know, I broke it. That's amazing. Out of like, I think (laughs) emotional, you know, that my mom, you know, wasn't there, you know. And uh, so I was like, you know what? I guess that's probably a track that made a... uh, Made you an angry baby. Or or, or had a, a, you know, had a connection with me. You know, obviously, you know, there was just something about that song, you know, that reminded me of my parents. And yeah, I probably just grabbed the record and threw it. That was the story I had. I have no memory of it, but I remember that story. So I was like, okay, let's just go for that. Also, just I haven't heard it. I, I just barely remember it, you know. So I'm like, might as well just play it. Okay, so we've moved everything away from Ali, so he can't throw anything. Um, but now we're going to listen to 03-03-456 by Rafaela Cada. Hey, this is BT Wolf. You're listening to Orange Juice for the Years on Dub Lab, and we have Ali Cohen, Dub Lab's director, and he chose that song, which is 0303456 by Rafaela Cara. Um, because as a two year old, one or two year old? I was two. Okay. Yeah, two. Uh, your parents had gone away, and uh, your grandma or grandfather put that on as a way of soothing you. Yeah. And instead, yeah, like, you... oh, reminding me of the parents. And, yeah. <laughs> And apparently I had a bad reaction to it. 
Well, are you? Do you feel angry now, or how, how does it feel? I, I was to about that? to. I was about to grab the the USB drive and smashing it on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't heard it in forty two. Yeah, years. no, no. I remember like like that. My mom would sing it just to joke. Oh, that song, you know. And, but listening to it now, it makes me realize. Wow, it's like a Italo, Italo disco mm. kind of vibe, and um, and uh, it kind of makes sense too because when I remember for my generation, there was a period that that you just did not touch disco, right? You just do not. And then you start getting into an age in the, there's a period in the 90s where you start to appreciate some element of that, you know? Especially when it comes to like space disco, Italo disco, uh, you start getting into an area of like, oh, I appreciate these things, all these crazy synths, you mm. know? And then uh, when I started getting deeper into it, into Italo, it never felt foreign you know i was discovering all this music but it never felt like oh this is something new i never heard about it felt very familiar mm. and uh, and i knew because partly uh, being in argentina i think argentina l historically looked at charts uh from europe you know particularly pro probably most likely from from spain italy and uk uh, not from the u.s you know and this is my own theory i may be completely wrong but from what i observed uh Whatever is from America that gets to Argentina is usually via Europe, you know, not directly from America, at least when I was a kid. Um, and uh, and therefore, I think Italo Disco was big, yeah. you know, because uh, one time, you know, Pino D'Angelo, you know, I was playing Pino D'Angelo and, and my mom heard that, oh, yeah, we used to listen to this all the time, you know, and here is an obscure Italo Disco track, you know, that, that you had to kind of be in that world. Mm. And uh, so, so when I listened to uh, this track, the Rafaela Carrara one, I'm like, wow, it's an it's an Italo track, you know, kind of freaky, kind of weird, you know, but it's a, it's, it's it's that in essence. Apparently, they had to change the number because that was a real number in Italy, and the version well, you sent, which is this, is the original before the number was changed. <laughs> <laughs> People calling that number. <laughs> uh, um, but just going back, you know, so you were born in Buenos Aires, um, grew up in a neighborhood called Recoleta. Yeah. Um, and your father worked in the rag trade, uh, yeah. clothing. Uh, yeah. and Still does. Still does. And what about your mother? What did she do? Like, you know, insurance and, you know, yeah, stuff like that, like more administrative kind of stuff. And did you have siblings? My sister, uh, she's a commercial artist, uh, she, Fernanda Cohen, and uh, and she does well in her own right. You know, she runs a, a clothing company as well called Hota and Co. Uh, with a friend of her friend uh, Julieta Ortega, and uh, she also does a commercial uh, illustration, commercial mm -hmm. art. Like she does uh, the New York Times Magazine and then you know Coca Cola. She, she does like you know, a lot of commercial campaigns mm. and also she teach, she teaches and all that. And then, uh, and then I have stepbrothers and okay. sisters and, you know, my closest friend, you know, and, and stepbrother Federico, he's a film director mm. and uh, he does great films. I love, I love his movies. So. so a whole mix of different industries and. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, him and I up to this day, I think he's probably one of the biggest influences in terms of not, not direct influence. Mm. Oh, he turned me into this or that. Just, just a general approach to to life you know okay. i think the two of us share that connection even though we don't talk that often you know he's in argentina i'm here you know but there's always that thing and was music a big part of your upbringing were your 
parents' musical? I know you said your mom listened to a lot of Brazilian music, like Gal Costa and Rita Lee. No, there was not a big focus on the part of my family. You know, it was never like, oh, listen to this, listen to that. They were just your average listeners of mm. like, you know, whatever was kind of mainstream. And I, I think because of the times, it was also stuff that I like, you know, now, um, like a lot of adult contemporary things like that. You know, with my mom, I connect very much on the same taste of music. You know, like, but but it's not like she was a music head, you know, turn me into some deep cuts, you know. Uh, it's just, it wasn't that kind of family. And at 13, you said that you thought going into music was a ridiculous endeavor and a joke. Why was that? Yeah, well, because it, it felt, uh, again, I was coming from a place where you imagine in order to be a musician, you had to start studying at the conservatory from early on, you know, and, and even speaking to friends at that age, you're like, no, by now you should be playing all this stuff. And so it was very discouraging, you know, and, uh, and also just the idea. I remember, clearly I remember seeing, uh, it was a music video by Level 42 maybe, uh, lessons of, of love and uh, and just seeing the sing the guy singing and all that and you just look at it it's like oh my god what the hell is this crap you know but again I was coming from also from a place that I also like that song you know so uh, it felt something like not a crowd like this is terrible it's just I like I could never do this thing you know and that thing that turns that it starts as a kind of like almost a joke in your head gets more and more serious, you mm. know? And, and you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll do it just for fun. Oh, maybe, oh. And then after a while, you're like, wow, I'm doing this. <laughs> Wasn't your bar mitzvah a point at which that tipped to you actually embracing your musical side? It's more like I, I had to learn some of the singing mm. uh, for the ceremony. And, um, and I remember enjoying that part. You know, I enjoyed the, the singing part and I enjoyed the performance part of it. And uh, and that was something that, again, it was during those years, you know, during that time, because I, I didn't really start playing guitar or consciously trying to do it until I was 16. So, you know, from the time you do your half year bar mitzvah, you know, 13 to 16, it's three years. Mm. But I remember it was the first times that you start to be like, oh, this is actually fun, you know, and you revisit it a year later. It's like, oh, I remember doing this. But yeah, no, it wasn't like a turning point, uh, it, but it was... Almost like a little spark. Okay. That, yeah. That I Learning remember. how to sing those yeah. songs in the was it the for the ceremony? Yeah, yeah like the sort of a religious day. I don't remember. I'm not particularly, um, you know, uh, f uh, following you know religion. You know, but so so I don't have a lot of memory of that. But I remember that feeling, you know, of doing. Okay, and moving on to uh, your second choice for your orange juice for the years. Um, what would you say the record was that had a big impact on you growing up? Uh, growing up, um, well, I, I, one I mentioned it was Love and Rockets. Love and Rockets, uh, self-titled album, which is the last one uh, before they took a break and came back in the 90s. Uh, Love and Rockets' first title album was probably one of the, the big ones for me. Up to this day, I just have a weak spot for them. I mean, I met... I met Kevin Haskins, who is uh, uh, now I could consider him a friend, you know. I, I, we text once in a while. I still get the chills. He's, he's great. He's such an inspiration to see as uh, the trajectory of a musician, someone that is went beyond, you know, uh, playing in bands and just made a life out of this, you know. Uh, and then I met Daniel Ash. And, uh, and uh, Love and Rockets was uh, very special for me at the time. There was a TV channel. It was the beginning of uh, cable television in Argentina. And they were installing it in my neighborhood. So my, 
my family was one of those first families that had cable. And they were testing it. It was like five channels. One played movies, one played, I don't know, news. The other one played something. And one of them was music. And the music channel was amazing. It was just like, you can totally tell it was just some guy. I learned later, I, I did some research and I found the person, but um, it was just someone that would just travel to the US or Europe, grab a bunch of VHS tapes that he would buy, you know, and just stick them in there and just playing them on on cable television as a way to have 24-hour programming of something, you know. So he would buy all these things. Like for, They would have these like Jesus and Mary Chain special. Later on, I went to buy the Jesus and Mary Chain VHS and they're all in the same order. So he would just pop in the, <laughs> he would just pop them in, you know. And, Easy uh, programming. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just a way for them to test the waters, you know, getting this thing going and, and get some programming going mm. and offer some value in, in why people should pay for cable. And uh, one of them was Love and Rockets, you know. Uh, Love and Rockets was one of the early ones that would play a full hour of their music videos. And I was just blown away. You know, I was just blown away. I, I like their psychedelic element. All of the records uh, embrace, have the same thing. It's, it's they're, they're theatrical, psychedelic, raw, uh, dark, ambient, experimental. They embrace so many things. It's almost like for every song in every record, it seems like they just like wipe the slate clean, you know, on the concept of the record and start from scratch. And so every song is almost its own entity and uh, and that record was one that continues to 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 have a big deep impact in me let's take a listen to i feel speed by love and rockets Hey, this is BT Wolf, and you're listening to Orange Juice for the Years, and I'm with the amazing Ali Cohen, who, as yeah. we're listening to that, is fixing things. I want you to get a sense of this. <laughs> like, his brain is on everything. Like, what can be improved? No, we just have a, we have a new table in the studio, and I keep thinking how, how like I was mentioning, we have to drill these holes for the kind of cable routing and because i don't have the opportunity to sit down and do shows you know as a guest i'm experiencing this whole thing in a different way well you need to it just embrace me. being a guest yeah. and forget about all the admin <laughs> <Give> me, yeah. <laughs> um so that was i feel speed that was love and rockets from the self-titled record uh 1989 um and you were what 14 when you at the time yeah i yeah. was about 14 yeah did you find yourself gravitating towards a lot of UK music? Um, yes, 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 yes. Uh, it's a weird relationship I have currently with uh, British music uh, because um, I'm a, yes, of course, I, I, another thing I was really into, I can go on and on, you know, but uh, a band that I don't think the UK people, you know, really hold up there, but I, in my heart, I do, the House Martins. Uh, it's, you know, another one. It's a big one for me. Uh, Jesus and Mary Chain, of course. All of the Manchester stuff, you know, you name it. Mm. I mean, Happy Mondays, uh, Stone Roses, In Spiral Carpets particularly. All of that, I just like go nuts for it. You know, that's that's my thing. And there was a time I would like wake up in the morning, type Manchester on eBay, and whatever would pop up, I would buy it. Wow. Like literally, I would buy it. I have a lot of things. <laughs> So, was there anything terrible in there? Even the things that are terrible, mm. you know, like for example, there's this record by this band, Catch Catch Thirty Three. 
So, you know, not Catch-32. It was a record that came out. They won apparently some competition, local competition at the time in Manchester. And apparently whoever won got to put out a record, you know. And it was uh, sponsored by the jeans company. I made the baggy jeans. Mm. And um, and the band is just like, <laughs> it's a bit rough. But even that is a good document of the times, you know. It's just like people just trying to cash in on the Manchester thing. A lot of Santa likes to, you know, uh, the Happy Mondays, a lot of Santa likes of stuff like that but there's also a lot of really good local bands you know one time i got an email from this uh i want to say girl she was like you know she was a high school student and uh, she said oh my dad used to play in that band and he doesn't have a copy of that anymore could you send me a photo of it because she saw me playing it on dubla i mean one of my playlists and uh obscure bands you know so yeah so i i grew up listening to a lot of british music Mm. and, and and when i say i have a strange relationship with it it's like um Many times, the more you learn about music, you come to learn that sometimes you're hearing a version of the original, you know, and uh, and that happens particularly with American music. You know, the more you start getting into, you know, soul and mm. you know R and B and all that, and, and you have so, to keep digging back. Yeah, you have to keep digging back, and 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 I I love it, you know, but sometimes also you wish um, UK music it's so well rounded the way it's presented that it's hard to sometimes. Um, appreciate the the more raw stuff you know especially when you grow up listening to that then uh, the other stuff it's almost like if you if you eat things with a lot of sugar all the time then once you take the sugar out you're like oh it's not a doesn't have that thing you know that kick you know and your palace kind of form around that and and with british music i'm not saying as a criticism it's just there is a a bit of that element and and sometimes uh i think uh when i listen to other genres they tend to be a little more raw and punchy you know and and I'm 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 in that place now in life a little more than, but yeah, I, I grew up listening to a lot of British stuff. So around that time, you know, around the time you were listening to Love and Rockets and a lot of the other, you know, the stuff that was coming out of the UK, you know, Scotland, Manchester, London, um, were you already starting to play and write yourself? Uh, I started playing in bands at sixteen. And uh, if you listen to those tape demos, they sound exactly what you would think it would sound like, which is a song that sounds like, you know, uh, My Bloody Valentine, a song that sounds like James Addiction, a song that sounds like, you know, more punk. Like, you know, when you're that age, uh, at that time, now people, when they're 16, they're way more aware because they, of the internet. At the time, you just had five things and you had to live with that, you know? And then the, the rest, you kind of made it up yourself. So you used to be a little more funky, you know, in, in, in not such good ways, you know. Uh, yeah, I started playing in bands at 16. And was that part of your decision to come to Los Angeles? No, I never thought of myself with the talent to kind of like, I'm going to, I think I could do it in LA. <laughs> no, no, no. By the time I was 21, I mean, I, I was making music, but if you even hear those things are just like, We've got a couple of them, Ali. Yeah. No, no, I'm kidding. I think that coming to LA was just like kind of floating around in the world and ended up here by pure coincidence. And that was around 21. Yeah. You came here. Um, And what, you know, what drew you here? And also, how did you end up getting connected with Dublab? Dublab came through my friend Jose. Uh, who's one of the founding DJs of Dublab. I, I met him by dropping demos at KXLU. He was a DJ there. And then when Dublab started, he, he told me, that, oh, there's this thing called Dublab. And started hanging around and 
was involved from the beginning in one form or, or another. You know, Frosty was always very, very supportive of my music. And Didn't you play yeah. one of the opening parties or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that uh, was your band? Langis, Lang yeah. Langis. Yeah. And, uh, and I, so I came, I came to Dabla through that project and then started uh, DJing here as well and then eventually climbed my way to the top. You know, it must have been just like totally mind-blowing to think that you could broadcast online do you remember hearing about the concept of dub lab and what yeah. did you think at the time uh i thought it was so cool i thought like i, I did not even own a computer in 99 you know and i thought like wow you can do this over the internet you know i didn't even think of like it's like radio but on the internet no it really felt like uh something else you know i just thought it was really original you know the people that did it, i was like i wish i would have thought of that and i and i saw mark and i saw Chad and John Buck, you know, and, and all the people involved. Uh, well, wow, you guys are on to the next thing, you know. <laughs> and super liberating to be able to kind of make up the rules as you go along. Yeah. Like this sort of wild west. Yeah, yeah, you can curse. Media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it, it, it was. It was the, the idea that it's, it's your world, it's your realm, you know, and no one's going to take it away from you. It's like, you know, and, and the internet is changing. They're trying to change it back to the way the world was before the internet, you know, and a more controlled environment. And uh, I just cannot get my head around that, you know. It's almost like something that was always free and someone all of a sudden, they tried to charge you and like, I'm not paying you, this is free, man. You know, and it's a bit of that attitude of Dublin. Dublin still very much kind of has that attitude of, of the internet of the, of the late 90s. Yeah, you know? the prime time. Yeah. Okay, so now moving on to the music you would send into space. Oh, um, what was the one? Uh, oh, <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, cabaret's, uh, cabaret's uh, money. <laughs> okay, let's take a listen to that right now. Why not, right? Yep. Money. Money. Money makes the world go around, the world go around, the world go around. Money makes the world go around, it makes the world go round. A mark, a yen, a buck, or a pound, a mark, a yen, a buck, or a pound. It's all that makes the world go around, the world go round. This is BT Wolf. You're listening to Orange Juice for the Ears on Dub Lab. That was Money Money from 1972 film version of Cabaret. Um, and that was the song that Ali Cohen wanted to send into space. Why? <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> if you're going to give them a glimpse of what Earth you know, is or how it works, it's like, oh, might as well just... After the planet... Send them a little joke. Self-combust, you know? yeah. then they'll know why. Send them a head-scratcher. <laughs> Um, are you a musical fan? Not necessarily, but that movie's mind-blowing. Okay. Also, what I like of that movie is not like they're start... The music part of the, that movie is not like they're like talking in the park and they start singing. No, these are musical numbers that mm -hmm. happen at a cabaret. So they're not like in, a, in this world of like people start singing in, in the middle of the workplace, you know? Which I have uh, a major problem with. <laughs> it's, it's a strange concept, you know? Yeah. But no, this is not in that sense. It's, it's, these are performances that happen in a cabaret mm. and uh, that's why i can accept uh, that that part of the musical okay know? i promise to watch and, it. and it's punk it's very punk i mean have you seen her performance she looks like susie and the banshees you know she does they, actually that's yeah. a good point yeah that is it's a good point. i mean it's 1972 so yeah. yeah of course it's it's very punk you know it's incredible that cabaret i want to just how it's decorated, the whole thing her character everything such an amazing movie but also like with dub lab being a non-profit you know, finding funding must have been a challenge. 
Yes, yes. Uh, it, uh, it's always a challenge, you know. And non, uh, something a friend of mine, my friend Dory, told me about is like uh, nonprofits are hungry organizations, you know. And uh, it's true. Uh, you have to kind of bring money in to stay funded. And and that's that's not easy, you know. You just have to... Uh, the same thing that is a challenge is also what keeps you uh, vibrant and alive, you know. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of money in the bank for you to that day or that week kind of be like, ah, I think I'm just going to take it easy, <laughs> you know. Uh, doesn't happen often, but yeah, you realize how, you know, being hungry, you know, uh, makes you very active and and Double Up is very active. I think that's a wonderful point because I think actually with limitations people get really creative you know and if you think of Matisse when he was in the wheelchair that was kind of his most creative period and I think a lot of the time when you have like all the money or all the tools or all these options you end up getting paralyzed and sort of doing nothing Um, so tell me also why was it important for Dub Lab to go terrestrial it wasn't important to be honest Uh, it was an opportunity that came uh, our way. Uh, it hasn't really fully developed. It's not over. That story is not over, but it hasn't really fully developed. It's the, that project is not over. It's still in development. But we're happy with online radio. I mean, that's that's who we are, really. You know, and uh, and we're 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 a creature of that of that medium. And and radio, I think, is going to be it's going to be something else. It's not going to be double up on FM. No, it's going to be something else. But it's also that idea of just continuing to broaden it you know and have it be something that also catches people in more unlikely situations as well like there are still a lot of people that listen in their car and yes yes but but because of the limitations of the license it's not going to be that that thing i mean the license that that we have these are for lpfms these mm. are for micro broadcasting so it reaches small pockets of communities in los angeles so it's going to be more of a project than a direct kind of like uh double on fm Got it. Um, And now we're moving to the part of the show where we're going to be very sad to see you go. Um, And I want to know, what is the song that you would like to have play at your memorial? This is the part where you kill the host after a little. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The the guest, I mean, sorry. Um, No, I chose uh, Kendra Smith, Wheel of the Law. Uh, I'm not sure really what the lyrics are, but I always felt like very much like that, like you're just floating to another world. Uh, Kendra Smith is probably my favorite singer of all times. You know, I would love to to meet her one day. I would also be really intimidated because I really like her. Uh, but that particular EP, uh, The Guild of Temporary Adventurers, is a fantastic EP that really had a deep impact in me. Uh, that song is probably one of my favorite ones on that EP. And uh, and it has this like kind of almost like a farewell idea of you're floating to another world, but also keeping tabs on this world. And um, I don't know, it just connects with me. It's it's not sad, you know. It's it's not a sad song, you know. It's just this floating song, you know, that just describes a uh, just a process. And uh, so why not? Let's take a listen to "Will of the Law" by Kendra Smith. And there's nothing to it at all Keep on turning the wheel of the law And I'll turn back the tides of time So you don't feel the pain Here in this 
so beautiful. That was Wheel of the Law by Kendra Smith. I want to listen to all of that. And we were just talking about those sort of circular songs and how hypnotic they are. And um, yeah, that's just one that you could listen to on loop and probably not realize. Exactly. Yeah. And why that in particular? Does that have a specific significance to you in your life? Uh, well, I discovered that track uh, when I first moved to L.A. in 96, 96, 97. Uh, I discovered it was through a, a friend of mine that turned me on to that record. And uh, and that record, along with a few others from it, from L.A., uh, Further, um, which was a fantastic band from L.A., another band from, I believe, Seattle, um, Elevator to Hell. That's another band that was in sub-pop. I think I called Elevation Through Sound partly because of that record, Elevator to Hell, Port Static, uh, just a bunch of bands of that period of that, that I discovered in the mid-90s. I related to, to me coming, moving to L.A. And to me, that was a very kind of transitional period. And, uh, and I feel also um, it, it just caught me at that place in life that it just doesn't go away. So I personally have discovered great tracks through your Orange Juice for the Year selection. And I want to ask is discovery still something very important to you yes yes yeah i mean i continue to discover i, I continue to dig uh sometimes you know dig doesn't mean for new things just or, or old things you know everything you know and even uh, even discovering things you already knew and listening to them you know decades later and uh, and find a new meaning on things that you thought you didn't like and you go back and almost go back to want to go back to those days and apologize to the people that you told them that that thing was crap, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And say, sorry, actually, that was cool, you know? Just took a while to grow. Yeah, exactly. So, And you have two sons, two beautiful boys. Um, I've actually seen them at, for example, the Terry Riley concert and always thought, wow, these two boys must see a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff they're probably not that interested in no 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 kid likes terry riley um do you share music with them is that something that you guys yeah yeah but yeah no 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 particularly i mean okay just as a they have they have to come to certain events and that one was special so i'm like (laughs) yeah you should check it out Yeah. yeah is there a record that you would pass on to them uh, yes, and uh, I, I chose uh, Los Shakers, uh, La Conferencia Secreta del Totos Bar. Uh, but that's a very particular thing. Uh, that, that record, um, I have the record, I have the original record that was purchased by my uncle that I never met. Uh, he, uh, he, I was named after him, Alejandro. Uh, he was a, a sailor and uh, he died in 69 uh, in a car accident. And uh, and that was a record he bought the year he died. And uh, it's a masterpiece. He said Los Shakers was a band from Uruguay, eventually made their way to uh, Buenos Aires. That was, that was a common thing, you know, back then. Uh, bands, when they got some attention in Uruguay, they, moved, they would make it to Buenos Aires. And then uh, they eventually got signed to Capitol Records. Uh, they were more like a beat band, more like Beatlemania style band. And then they got signed to Capitol Records and put out that, that record, like Conferencia Secreta del Totos Bar. And uh, at one time, uh, my mom gave it to me, and I was blown away. And that record belonged to my my uncle that I never met. And uh, and that record, I love the music. Uh, it really has a deep meaning because it's part of uh, you know kind of a sad story. You know, someone's life, uh, family member, uh, I was named after uh, that 
his life was cut short. And uh, and I hold that record dear, you know. And uh, so I'm like, if you ask me, oh, what record will you pass? That would be the one, you know, because it's not just the the music, but it's also the, the record itself, you know, it's a way to pass the uh, family, uh, how do you call it? Heirloom or? Yeah, yeah, and just and the lineage and, you know, yeah. those connections, which I know Dub Lab is so good at celebrating yeah. between past, present, future. Yeah, know, so, deep so, roots. yeah, so it's not like a record that's like, oh, it belonged to him. I don't like it, but no, no, it's actually, I really like it, you know, and, uh, and uh, so that's, that would be the one. Yeah, no question. We'll, we'll take a listen to that in just a minute um, as we close the show. Um, but I first have to ask, what is the thread that connects all of your Orange Juice for the Year choices? Um, I think there's always strong melodic elements, uh, and I think all of them have, uh, there's always that dreamy element, you know, there's always that uh, very flowy kind of element, you know, there's something kind of, uh, kind of water-like, uh, it's in the production, it's in the style of writing, it's, you know, uh, something that flows, something that is ambiguous, you know, maybe not the first one that I played, that was very kind of like, <laughs> kind of gimmicky, but, uh. But but even that, you know, has the, the kind of funky rhythms, you know, of Italo disco that is cosmic too, you know. But uh, there, there, there's always that thing, that element of, of, of flowing and dreaminess in it. And thinking about music, art and culture today, what do you think we've gained and what do you think we've lost? Well, we, we've gained uh, in the sense of like, like very kind of practical thinking, like we've gained uh, options. Uh, we have, you know infinite you know amount of music at our fingertips uh but i think with that we've lost uh depth you know and uh in understanding the things we know uh, so so we may know a lot more but we know a lot less of that that's very true and last question where do you hope dub lab will be in another 20 years hopefully still doing what we do you know but with maybe a little more money you know <laughs> But I'm, I'm, I love I, I love what we do. You know, it's great. I don't have you know dreams of like oh building. I'm not about building empires. You know, continuing what we do the way we are, even with the struggles that we're today, that is to me success. You know, being here after twenty years, that's success. I agree, and thank you so much, Ali. And now we will take a listen to Lost Shakers. Yes, uh, Mas Largo que el Ciruela, which is a very strange name, but it's a <laughs> I wasn't going to try and pronounce yeah. it. <laughs> Glasses hours of love Gloving all my feelings Jumping on the knees of grandfather's tears 